You're listening to the Sunday Messages Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Right, that is what it's about. How about Scarlett, our children's pastor? Anybody happy we have a children's pastor like her? You guys, she does an just an incredible job. 100 plus volunteers over there, the, the energy, the kids that are over there. I'm pumped about what's ahead for this church. I'm excited about this Oaks Project, this ability to invest in future generations, create spaces for us to hang out together. It's gonna to be special. It's not just for the kids. I mean, there's the outdoor spaces, there's, there's classrooms that junior highs can use, there's places for the high school kids to play, places for grandpas like me to bring their grandkids to hang out on the playground, so super fun. And that's what it's about. We've been talking about this idea the last couple of weeks of you know praying and thinking through what does God have for us and how do we invest in what's going on here in the church. I love that we follow a God whose economy is always that he gives first. We receive. We receive from him before we have to do anything. Long before we deserved it, he sent his son to die. He gave us forgiveness before we ask. He gave us love and mercy when there was no way in the world that should have been what we were presented with because he gives First. And once we receive that, once we receive his son, he continues to give. He gives us joy and peace and patience and these fruits of the spirit. He gives first. And then from that, we get a chance to share that with others. We want to be that as a church as well. Cypress Creek Church wants to be a church that gives first. I hope you're not hearing a message over the next few weeks or that you're not somehow being twisted into thinking that what we're saying is we need something from you. No, we want to give to you. And out of that gift that you receive from the church, from the Lord, then you decide what do you want to pass along? What is appropriate to pass along? What is he calling you to pass along? Because that's what it's about, you guys. We receive, we give, we receive. The more we give, the more he, he gives back to us. We can't outgive God. He just loves us that much. It's a cool opportunity to be in front of you here in the midst of this Oaks Project and the campaign and talking about what it looks like to sow into the things that are important or that matter. I don't know if you've ever lived somewhere before where you didn't want to be. Maybe you were in the military like Eric was and you got sent somewhere like Iraq, hopefully not somewhere that dangerous, uh, but you got sent somewhere maybe for work um, or an assignment and you had to be over there for a year or two and it's like, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live in this place. This isn't my home. Uh, these aren't my people. And you had to make that choice, right? Like, am I going to fully invest in this spot even though I know I'm not going to be here very long or do I just kind of hang on to my old friends and try to go back and connect with them as much as I can and just try to stay walled off and closed off in this place that I'm in? That's a tough spot to be in and that's exactly where God's people found themselves in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. See, they've been exiled from their land. They were outside of their home. They were in a different location and they were hoping it wouldn't be for very long. And they were hearing people tell them it may not be very long. And they were wanting to believe that so much that they really didn't want to invest where they were. And Jeremiah brought a word from the Lord that said something very different. He said, look, you need to be planted where you are. You need to sow where you are. You need to invest where you are. In Jeremiah 29, Jose taught us this last week. He read from this last week. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the fruit they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many generations. Multiply, do not dwindle away. They didn't know how long they were gonna be there. 
And God kind of told them it was going to be for a specific period of time, but what he really wanted them to do was be planted where they were. I don't know if you feel this way sometimes, like, my goodness, is this really the world I was created for? The chaos, the things that are going on, the things that are being discussed. Even though we live in the greatest country in the world, in my opinion, you know, it's still chaotic out there and it doesn't feel like home all the time. And it could be easy to just wall ourselves off and say, we don't want to have anything to do with the world. We just want to be insulated. Um, but the reality is God says, no, you need to be planted where you are. You need to thrive where you are. And, and he talks about three things. Jose brought up the idea that he talks about family. You need to thrive in your family, sow into your family. Second, he talks about church. He didn't use that word. He talked about them as a, you know, as a fellowship of believers of community, but that's what we refer to as church. And then third, he said, you need to sow into the community that you're involved in, the land that you're, that you're living in. So we're going to go over that over the next three weeks. I drew the first straw, which is my favorite. I get to talk about family. If they did one of those, hey, Sean's got, you know, 24 hours left to live. He's given a last lecture. If you decided to show up, I can assure you I would talk about family. That'd be the last thing I would want anybody to hear from me talk about because it is the thing that I believe the most in here in this crazy world. It's the thing that we have to put our energy into. Our most important earthly relationships are our family. And you may be here today, and I don't know where you are in terms of family. You may be single. You may be, you know, not married, no kids, none of that. That's okay. There's going to be part of this message that's going to really apply to you and resonate with you. You may be married. You may be looking for a spouse. You may be married, hoping for kids or not able to have kids. It's somewhere in this message around family, something's going to apply for you. And I want you to hang on to that because we're going to go over five points. And in those five, my hope, it's not I'm going to give you a lot of how-tos on how to do family well. I don't have time to do that. What I am going to do is give you five areas that I want you to think a little bit about, and I want you to ask the Lord, out of those five areas he presented, where do you want me to be sowing at this time in my life? Where do I need to be investing my time and my energy when it comes to family? See, because you got three things. You've got time. You're like, yeah, no, you don't. You don't know how much time I have, Sean. You don't know what my schedule looks like. Well, I know you got 24 hours in a day. That's all I know for sure. We have time. That's one of the things we have. We have talent. You're like, you don't know me. I have no talent. I'm not good at anything. Yes, you are. You reflect a facet of the image of God. There's something in you, some talent or ability. And third, treasure. We have a treasure. We can invest our treasure. You're like, you don't, Sean, I got nothing. My bank account is at zero. It may be, but the reality is we still, the worst of us are in, man, the best case scenario for most other countries and most other parts of the world out there. We have things to give. So how do you sow your time, your treasure, and your talents into your family. That's what we're going to look at. I just believe it's the best place to invest. The reality is we need to be intentional about investing our time, talent, and treasures in our family. Proverbs 29, 18 says that, you know, where there is no revelation, where there's no vision, the people perish. They cast off restraint. And the idea is that if you're not being intentional about how you're doing family, the world is going to blow you and knock you where it wants to knock you. And believe me, social media influencers and the wisdom of our current culture are not going to drive you to a healthy place in your family. But if you're intentional, if you're intentional in these five areas, you're going to experience success in family. Even, even, if you didn't, even if you didn't grow up in a home that you want to replicate, there's still so many things that we can learn by focusing in on God's Word. So let's just dig into these five areas. The first area is that Christ and biblical wisdom are the foundation of the family. If you're going to build a home, the first thing you got to do is get that foundation right. The foundation. This is the, this is the fork in the road. You choose. You get to choose who you're going to serve, what you're going to follow. 
the world's wisdom or God's wisdom when it comes to building a family. A foundation built on God's wisdom has a chance to create a family that you're looking for. Uh, Psalm 127 only has five verses. It's a cool little chapter to read if you're interested in family. But it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. It goes on, we'll read a little bit more later. It talks about children, but here's the start of this. It's saying, you gotta decide, are you gonna let God be the thing that you build your family on? If you're out there and you're a college student or you're a high school student and you're not ready to start a family yet, that may be a good idea, but you can start your life on the foundation of the Lord right now. You can choose that today. We were at a, it's, the, it's that season where, you know, athletes are signing letters of intent, good athletes to go to college somewhere. And we got to hang out with this family last night whose daughter was signing to go play volleyball in college. And the dad and the mom stood up to address the family and the friends that were there that invested in her life to get her to that point. And the, the dad said this, he said, you know what? We made a lot of mistakes along the way in raising our daughter and doing family but we got one thing right at the very start. 26 years ago, John said to his wife, Audrey Church, he said, hey, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna say yes to two things. We're gonna say yes to God and we're gonna say yes to God's word and everything they had done since then. Yeah, and raising this beautiful girl um, who loves the Lord was based on that foundation. You gotta decide, are you gonna say yes to God and yes to God's word in building your foundation? What does that mean practically? All right, well, I know all this biblical stuff. You know, we're in church and you think you gotta believe it because it's written in there. Well, good news, Barna studied this, all right? So there's actually a research study out there. So we'll go to that. 2018, Barna studied spiritually vibrant homes. So what does it take to have a spiritually, who wants to have a spiritually vibrant home? Raise your hand if you'd like to have a spiritually vibrant home. Okay, a lot of us do, so good. Men, take the lead right here, all right? Grab a pen and write down these three things I'm gonna tell you that create a spiritually vibrant home. All right, impress your wife, pull your phone out, type these things in, memorize them at the very least so that later today when she asks you, you have these three things. This is what it takes. Research shows what the Bible has said all along. The first thing spiritually vibrant homes have is messy prayer. Inside the walls of your home, there needs to be messy prayer. What's that mean in practicality? It means you don't have some theologian stand up and pray in the King James Version some eloquent thing. It means you're just there worshiping the Lord inside your home. You know, you got worship music going while you're cooking. You got, you know, you are praying about stuff. Somebody's like, you're not gonna believe what happened today and so-and-so did this to me. I say, you know what? Hey, let's pause and pray about that. Well, how do we pray about that? I don't know. Let's just say what's on our mind and on our heart and say amen at the end. That's a messy prayer. It's what it looks like. But you start to introduce God as central to everything that's going on inside your home. Messy prayers. They don't have to be perfect. Hey, let's read a verse from the Bible and talk about it to, tonight over dinner. Well, none of, us, none of us are theologians. Oh, that's all right. We're just gonna read it and see what comes to mind. See what God wants to share with us around that. Messy prayers. Second thing they found out in the study was that you need in your home loud tables. You wanna be a spiritually vibrant home. You need a loud table. What's that mean? Well, first you gotta sit around the table, all right, and actually have a meal around the table together as a family, and then you just hash stuff out. What in the world is God doing in our life right now? What's he doing? Why did he let this happen in our family? Why is that going on? I don't know. Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. What does the Bible say about it? 
loud tables where we gather and where we fellowship together and where we just let God be the center of conversation sometimes. That was the second thing. The third thing that the study showed, the Bible has said for a long, long time, is that open doors create spiritually vibrant homes. What's an open door mean? It means we have to practice hospitality. We have to let people in our home. We have to serve other people. We've got to use our homes as a place that, you know, brings folks in so they can experience the messy prayers and the loud table. That's all part of it. Those three elements, that's pretty cool, right? That maybe not be the formula you thought would, would create a spiritually vibrant home, but that's clearly what it says. And I could give you verses to support all of those things. Because homes built on the foundation of God and his word succeed and thrive regardless of what's going on in the culture around us. All right, so that's the first thing. What are we, what's it going to look like if we actually sow into this foundation of our home? Well, it's going to look like those three things that I just said, and then also I'll let them flip to that. There you go, right there. Sow in by intentionally going to church, reading the Bible, praying, fasting, studying together, serving together as a family. Again, I'm not going to give you a bunch of how-tos. I want you to end the day by going, hey, out of those five areas he presented, this is the one we need to sow into. I need to sow into more in my family. Maybe it's the foundation. The next thing, if you're building a home, you got the foundation, now you need some walls. The walls of a home are built by healthy individuals. And the reality is not many of us showed up into our marriages, into our homes as healthy. And if you're single out there, the greatest thing you can do at this point in your life is strive to be the healthiest version of yourself you can, connected to the Lord, spiritually engaged with him, dealing with whatever stuff you have going on in your life. See this passage in Genesis chapter two, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father. What's that talking about? Does that mean you should move away from home? Probably so. When you get married, you should move out of your parents' home. You should get your own place. Praise the Lord. Our son got married about six weeks ago and he moved out of the house when he got married. He took his stuff with him, which was really great. Colt got his room back. It was awesome. It's not just moving away physically, though. It's really getting at this idea that you need to emotionally, mentally, and spiritually be healthy, whole, and moved away from your family. Because what we've learned over time, you guys, the Bible said at the very beginning, but we've learned it slowly, is that growing up in most homes creates trauma and drama in our lives. And if we don't deal with that, if we don't deal with those wounds and those hurts, then the walls that we build in our home are gonna be fragile and not capable of withstanding whatever the world throws at it. So again, if you're single, great time to invest in what does it look like to be the healthiest version to what Colossians 2, 7 says, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith, overflowing with thankfulness. What does it look like to be that kind of person? Because that creates a great wall for a structure. Now, you may be married and you may need to go back to this. Most of the marriage counseling I do is individual counseling in the context of a marriage. Most people that are individually healthy end up doing pretty well in marriage, but we're individually damaged, and so we're trying to do relationship well, and that's really tough. Show up as the healthiest version of yourself. What would it look like to sow into your own health so that your family could be better? Well, it would be these things. Address these past, past wounds, these hurts. Drag them into the light. You know, acknowledge them, identifying patterns of interaction. How do I, why am I always doing that? Why do I always explode on people that I care so much about? Or why do I always withdraw or people please? Or what, what's the pattern of interaction and what's causing that? Get help. 
You guys, get counseling. Let somebody walk you through that. Third thing in a structure, in a home, is that there's a foundation and there's walls and then there's a roof that gets put on, right? Now, I believe that the Bible is pretty clear that the roof to protect the, the walls and foundation and ultimately create children is marriage. And now I know that we can discuss marriage and we could dig into that and there's all kinds of people that have had positive and negative experiences with marriage. There are people that are happily married. There are people that are struggling in their marriage. There are people that are divorced. I'm not here to debate all of that this morning. I'm just here to tell you that God's plan ultimately was that there would be a marriage that would create, you know, that would be built on the walls of individual health and the foundation of him. That's his plan. And that's what family can look like. That's what we need to strive for. Marriage is a big deal to God. It is. It just is. I love the verse in Hebrews where it says, you know, it should be honored. Honor. What, what, like when we show honor to something, reverence for it, we should be in awe of marriage when we see it. I mean, birthdays are great. Don't get me wrong. November's birthday month around the Stover house. We have a bunch of those. We celebrate. We go big time. But I've said all along, you know what it takes to have another birthday? You have to keep breathing for 365 days. And then you get another one. That's what it takes. Anniversaries, we should be blowing up celebrating anniversaries. Because you know what it takes to get to another anniversary? I mean, yeah, a lot for my wife to get to another anniversary. Patience and fruits of the Spirit have to be flowing out all the time. Lots of compromise, sacrifice, all of that stuff, you guys. We should go big on wedding anniversaries, marriage anniversaries, right? I mean, that's so cool seeing the 20-year anniversary, you know, that recommitment of their vows like, like Shauna and um, Eric did. So you guys, if, you, if you're young and you have parents that are still married, celebrate them, celebrate their marriage, celebrate what they're working through and fighting through and trying to create together. Honor that in them. Um, man, Proverbs 18.22 is right. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. We need to be intentional about doing marriage well and investing in our marriage. If we're honest, those of us that are married, sometimes that's the thing that gets the last of our attention. Work takes our attention. Kids take our attention. Aging parents even take our attention sometimes, and our marriage gets the last of it. That's not how God designed it. That doesn't make for a good roof to protect your family. So we need to intentionally sow in by listening to understand, showing empathy, being quick to forgive. There's so many things we could dig into and how to in this area, but the important thing is to realize that marriage matters and should be honored. Fourth element of a family is children, right? I mean, we, we need kids around. I love this idea that in that same, you know, Psalm 127, it started out by talking about the Lord and how he needs to be the foundation of the home. And then it goes on to talk about kids and it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the courts. Children, you guys are a blessing. And I love the metaphor, the picture of an arrow. I don't know if you've ever shot a bow and, you know, and an arrow before, but an arrow, I mean, those things are, they're pretty now. They're, they're made of this real, you know, all different kinds of material, the, the super lightweight ones that people use to hunt now. They got the the feathers at the back, you know, that kind of help them fly through the air. They got the sharp point to do whatever it is that's intended when you shoot that thing. I mean, they're nice and they're beautiful and you could put those on a shelf. You could put those arrows on a shelf and you could look at them. And if we're honest, that's what a lot of us want to do with our kids. We want to make them as beautiful as possible to the outside world and then we want to put them on a shelf 
We want to protect them and we want to shelter them and we want to kind of hold on to them. Man, that's not what the metaphor says. The metaphor says we're supposed to grow them up and develop them so that we can then launch them into the world. If you understand the importance of that. Now, oh, here's another thing. Once we launch them, I don't know if you know the thing about arrows. They're not like this missile, guided missiles, right? Like you don't get to launch them in the remote control them around stuff. Like, oh, you're flying. That's not the right person for you. Nope, nope, nope. Wrong major, wrong major. Nope, over here. No, you just launch them, man. You send them. And then you pray a lot. That's what you do. You launch them and you pray a lot that God directs them up there. You guys, if your vision for parenting, Christina and I have been at this a while now, and I will tell you, our vision for for parenting has changed over the years. Man, we're looking way out. Uh, We're looking way out. we're, We're looking at 25. When they're 25 years old, what do we want our kids to be like? And what do we need to do today to make them the kind of 25 year olds that are gonna succeed out in the world? We're not trying to make them the most popular ninth grader. We're trying to make them the most healthy and productive ambassador for the Lord at 25. So kids are important. Maybe where you need to sow into. That may be what God's calling you to. Fifth area that I want to talk about is parents. All right, those of you kids that are out there, you know, you have a responsibility to honor your parents. The reality is that everybody out there is a, is a kid. Everybody out there has parents. Maybe they're not still alive. Hopefully they are still alive. We have a responsibility. The first, the fifth commandment actually quoted here in Ephesians 6, is the first commandment that says there's a promise with it. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There you go. You want to live a long life? Tells you right there. Honor mom and dad. All right, so if you're a kid out there and your parents are close to you, turn and give your parents a high five. Just give them a high five right now. A little honor. All right, there we go. Listen, we need to do better at this. Man, I read... This verse in Timothy yesterday, and it kind of scared me a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to put it on the screen there. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own households has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa. We need to be sowing into our families. The, the verse in context is actually talking about widows. It's talking about aging parents. Are we sowing back into our aging parents? How do we do that? How do we sow into our aging parents? Man, we need to spend time with them. We need to listen to the wisdom that they have to share. We need to care for them. If, if God's word is the foundation, our individual health is the walls and marriage is the roof, the interior design of the home that brings it life is the children. Man, the garage apartment that you remodel, that's the aging parents over there, all right? And they deserve to be honored and they need to be honored. And they need to be invested in. Um, man, family is a big deal. You need to decide this morning, where is the Lord asking you to sow back and invest in your family? Um, I'll conclude with this Ephesians 4, 2 verse. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I'm gonna just go on a limb here and guess you're not in a perfect family. And there's faults there because there's people there and we're all imperfect. Man, be patient, pursue each other, sow into your family. We're at a weird time in history, you guys. For, for the first time in, in a long, long time, thousands of years, we actually have five, five generation families right now, five generation families alive. Now that didn't happen, that hadn't happened before. Maybe back there in the Old Testament, but I don't even think so. That's a different time. The, the chance to invest and grow family is so important. 
I told you our son got married, Cade, a few months back, six weeks or so ago. Here's some photos, some of my favorite photos from the wedding. Cade and Kendall aren't even in the photos. Um, I can't look back there, I'll cry. Um, when, uh, when my mom died, I was, I was nine years old. You may have heard me tell this story before. I went looking for my dad one morning and I was scared. About five in the morning, I couldn't find him anywhere and I just started freaking out and uh, searched the house, looked outside, his truck was still there and I, I finally went and saw a light in the closet and I went in there and I peeked in and my dad was in there on his knees. And uh, so I just waited. He came out a little later. I said, Dad, what are you doing in there? And he said, Son, I have no idea how we're going to make it without your mom. But I know if God isn't, God isn't with us and for us and our foundation, we have no chance at all. My dad chose to create a foundation in that tragedy with, of the Lord. And that's my dad looking at his great-granddaughter. That's, that's what you get when you do family well. And then that's my mother-in-law over there and uh, her two grandsons escorting her down the aisle and they think she hung the moon. We've done a lot wrong, you guys, but we continue to invest in family and I'm asking you to do the same thing. So into your family. This Oaks Project is our chance as a church to continue to sow into future generations, not only in the church, but in the community because that's where it's at. We're all gonna go someday and there's gonna be generations behind and we're gonna leave a legacy so, so intentionally. Thank you, Jesus, for a chance to talk about family. You know, I know what family means to you, Lord. Yeah, I just love this image of you on the cross with everything going, just breaking loose. And your, one of your last thoughts was, hey, take care of my mom. Somebody take care of my mom. That's how much family means. So Lord, for those of us, Lord, that came from broken homes, help us to repair that and create a new legacy. For those of us that came from great homes, help us to continue that legacy. For those of us that are single, help us to be the healthiest version we can so that we can ultimately have a great family. We can still honor our parents no matter where we are in our life. And I thank you, Lord, that you give us these models and examples and we turn it all over to you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Messages podcast. You can dive deeper into the messages weekly by subscribing to the Conversations podcast, where we dig into the previous Sunday's message, unpacking how we can apply it further in our daily lives. See you again next week.